And now this is the part where we did the cold open. Uh, I, I don't really have anything funny to say other than I don't know what episode we're on. I think this is episode nine. Anyway, episode nine. Let's go. podcast jordan haas it's a podcast i'm jordan haas this is the show hey hello it's 1 a.m i really should have done this all on a sunday but i couldn't finish all the articles and also i uh got blitzed out on energy drinks and white claw filming articles so basically i was a little messed up all weekend uh i i just uh so everything today was a catch-up day which is rare uh, because I didn't work today. So uh, that was kind of fun. I had like a three-day weekend. But I'm going to be busy probably in a couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, opinions. That's what people love about podcasts. People talking about themselves, right? That's the show and that's what we do. Uh, this is the first part where we just kind of just banter on about what happened this week. Uh, of course, uh, in the in the paid version, if you go to patreon.com slash Jordan Haas, uh, there is an article about Jackbox Party Pack 7 and a recap of Taskmaster. And next week, we have some more funny, recappy things going on. It's going to be very busy over here for a lot of TV show recaps. Um, not like game reviews, now that I think about it. We were supposed to do some game reviews, but and then play any video games this week. Um... So this is just going to be just like, hey, what's been going on? I, I just want to start with uh, the Dream Face reveal thing. I don't know who the fuck Dream is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a I'm a 30 year old plus guy. I'm 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 not in my 20s. I'm not a high schooler. I don't know who the fuck Dream is. When I Google Dream, I see like a really shitty like smiley face that looks like someone's like MS Paint creation. And I'm supposed to be like, oh, I know, that's Dream. Oh, they're a Minecraft streamer. Oh, Minecraft, that game that no one else plays. Like, I'm supposed to know everybody who plays fucking Minecraft? I'm sorry, I, I thought everyone moved on to Roblox and Fortnite. We're still on, on Minecraft? Okay. Okie dokie. So this this uh, dream guy, apparently his whole persona was he he never showed his face. I don't know if he's Batman or whatever. Uh, so they did a whole live stream. It got over a million live views. So this is more views than the mass Singer gets, pretty much. Luckily, no Nick Cannon, no Ken Jong going, take it off, take it off. And then you see the face, and it's just face. And then people are giving their thoughts about what the face looks like. I think he looks like Adam Scott or Roger Barr from My Mockery. That's that's kind of what I think he looks like. Others go, he ugly or he cute. I don't fucking care. He's a streamer. He, he, I just, the, the, the thing is, I maybe it's just like there's a whole subsection of content creators I've never heard of, never seen before because the internet's so, so wild now. 
that no one knows uh, what to do. So I saw the dream face reveal. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I don't see the big deal in this, but it's a content guy, so okay. Uh, so if you got any, I guess, thrill out of that, that's that's kind of sad, actually. But hey, maybe it is this dream guy makes some content that you like. He seems like a very calm, passive person, so maybe he's just like a chillax dude uh and people will like it but i mean like that that's all it's all it's gonna do is just do more like face reveals of like vtubers that's all it feels like it's gonna be and i'm gonna be like there's the vtuber face reveal and i'm just like okay sure i i i don't i mean like i i don't really see the appeal in all this but then again i i just kind of think the internet has a lot of celebrities I, I I mean, like, I'm a fucking internet podcaster and a writer. I'm not famous, obviously. But someone will be like, you know Jordan, right? Yeah. But others will be, you know Jordan? No. Who the fuck is Jordan? That's that's the similar attitude I have for this. Uh, anyway, game show talk. I love game shows. Uh, so... Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite UK game shows is back. I literally just told you had two episodes last week. I watched them both, and my God, it's it's really the greatest game. It's aside from Taskmaster, one of the greatest game shows out there because it's part quiz game, but it's all memory based on like things that happened during the show, and I love it because it's not like. Because if it's a bad answer, that could be a question. If it's just a weird, like, forced thing that happens, like we got a celebrity cameo, that becomes a question. And it just, to me, that is such a funny, great uh, format. And I was wondering, like, oh, are they going to do, like, the psych-out gags? What are they going to do as the twist this time around? And it's still, to me, it's still the same. It's it's not they, they umped it up. It's, oh, that's a clever way of doing the twist. And I love it. So, for me, I, I really like, I literally just told you, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, but if you have, like, a VPN, try and find it. I think it's on Channel 4, so it shows, check it out. Uh, it's still the one of the funniest game shows out there, only for Jimmy Carr having a nervous breakdown pretty much by the end of the show. Because even though he's trying to get the, the phrase of, how do you know this, because I literally just told you, it never fully works. Um, today, you know, Monday... Uh, I had a little break. I went to, I finally, I finally went to Goldstone. I finally got the Corby ice cream. I got the Kirby, Kirby ice cream. Kirby ice cream is a strawberry ice cream with fresh strawberries, marshmallow, and caramel. And let me tell you, it reminded me of Kirby. It was squishy. It was soft. It was fruity. It was yum. It was sweet like the pink puffball himself. Uh, and the marshmallows actually were really good and complemented the strawberries and caramel very well. Uh, I kind of, I literally like just shoveled it all in. It was that good, partially because it was delicious, partially because I think it was like 80 degrees out and was melting fast. So I, I had to really, really speedily eat the Kirby ice cream. Uh, Coldstone made a really tasty ice cream uh, based on the Nintendo property, and I want to see more of that. I, I didn't try the Animal Crossing or Mario uh, Party because, eh, and I'm not going to get the ice cream cake. Also, it seems like the, the that ice cream is, like, pushed away because it's October now, and October usually means spooky Halloween, which means candy corn and chocolate and uh, pumpkin shit, so who cares? 
Uh, but I, I might have been the last person to try the Kirby ice cream at Goldstone. And I, I'm glad I didn't miss it because I would have been one of those rare cases. I would have been sad if I missed it. And it was really good. It was really worth it, I would say. Uh, also, the strip mall closed, like, closed a lot of stores since I last showed up there. So I was kind of worried. Uh, what recession? Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so uh, next piece of news is the mole. Uh, it's, it's fucking all these. Okay, so the mole is on Netflix this Friday. Uh, fingers crossed. I'll probably talk about it next week. Uh, either in the main show or in the back half, um, because it's a reality show that is one of my faves. Um, I, I, again, fucking internet people get advanced copies of this show and review them before I do. What the fuck? Who the fuck do I have to like talk to to get these advanced copies? This is fucking pissing me off. And also, maybe the fact is that if, if I got it, maybe I wouldn't like it. And, and maybe that's why they wouldn't send it over. Because I wouldn't kiss people's asses about fucking Netflix reality shows. But yeah, uh, Alex Wagner, who is on The Circus, who is the new Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, uh, she is the host of The Mole. It plays exactly like The Mole, you know and love. If you don't remember, it's 12 people. Uh, playing for up to uh, some money. I didn't specify half a million, a million. So they're just playing for some money. One is not a contestant. They are playing to sabotage the group effort. And the way to win is you have to complete a quiz about what the mole did that day. Uh, most uh, correct answers wins the game at the end of the show. Whoever does the weakest each week is eliminated. So... Yeah, that's that's the mole. That's how it works. It's very strange. I understand. But also, uh, I've been watching Belgium mole. I've been watching the Netherlands mole. I've been talking about this show for a while. And some of the challenges in the in the version on Netflix has already been duplicated in earlier versions. So I'm kind of hesitant to see some of the games get repeated. But also, I'm a little excited. Uh, next. Speaking of exciting reality television shows, um, The Genius Game is also being out this week uh, in the Netherlands. So I was excited uh, to... I'm going to watch that hopefully uh, this week uh, because it's uh, it's another version of one of my favorite reality shows. It's a South Korean game-breaking uh, challenge show where it's kind of like... You know, have you ever played Monster Seeking Monster? And it's like, well, if you do this, you get two points. If this happens, you lose a point. It's all this complicated rule structure. But what if the game is basically if you can figure out all of the rule structure for that weird like mafia game, you can break the game and bend the rule to your favor through social deduction or for for loopholing the rule structure at hand. Um, that to me is what I love about the genius because I love breaking game shows. Uh, the, so. For breaking games in general, it's one of my favorites, and they they brought it back for the Netherlands, and I want to watch it and, and talk about it next week. And also, I think the 10th, is it the 10th? In Australia, the Traders. I talked about this last week. Uh, so this October, we have three big reality shows, The Mole, Traders, and The Genius Game. 
And those are going to be really exciting stuff. So I'm sorry I'm not going to be watching Survivor or Amazing Race this year, and I'm definitely not watching Bachelor in Paradise. I'm going to be watching a lot of international reality television shows. But I'm also going to be watching uh, Celebrity Jeopardy and Celebrity Wheel of Fortune because it's a game show on ABC, and I have Hulu with ads free, so it's like 40 minutes of my time. And I saw Celebrity Jeopardy this week, and everyone's having their thoughts about the show because the bantering and all this. Um, I, you know what? I, the, I understand they want the banter. They want it to be more panel game-ish. I understand that because that's some of the appeal of Celebrity Jeopardy, and you can get through all 60 clues and be okay with it. You don't have to worry about the time clock, which was almost every version of Celebrity Jeopardy there before. Because that's just how it goes. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, I think it's because there's a million dollars at the end, but it's still not taken that seriously that it's sort of a, um, it's sort of like a, huh, it's like a humdinger. It's like, oh, okay. Um, that I was trying to figure out, like, what's the best way to go about Celebrity Jeopardy for a season two? Is it doing just two, like doing this, like the Wheel of Fortune, just do two games in like a tournament structure, like most points after two games wins with a, like a Jeopardy, double Jeopardy, and just keep speeding through the game? Or is it better to just um, keep like make like the same thing, but make it half hour and have two games? So it's and it's one and done's not do a tournament structure and make it like 500 to 2,500 in regular Jeopardy and 1,000 to 5,000 in double Jeopardy. And then whoever wins the most, their money goes to charity. And if it's not 30,000, they'll just bump it up to 30,000. Um, or is it better to uh, just keep it as it is? Because then you get the banter and they're trying to do the viral moments because that's what all these fucking shows have to do now is viral ability like they want to do the tonight show or password or look game shows are great because it's off the cuff i i think what what people really mistake about game shows is uh when they do the blooper when someone says the bad answer on like family feud like that's common it's it's always common give someone gives a bad answer and then they get a strike good answer good answer that's part of the joke but um what what usually happens is like when you see like outrageous game show moments and game show moments gone bananas, it's usually like one wrong question at one weird part of a game show, and that was it. And most of the time when you watch the show, it's not off the rails, but that one stupid moment hits, and that's what's funny. And I think what's a big problem with game shows nowadays is a lot of these producers uh want the viral ability so they're intentionally trying to get that viral moment by giving by trying to lead the contestants to give a bad answer or lead the 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 game to be so off the rails that it ends up uh being viral when the like a game show format like i literally just told you it's meant to be off the rails that's intentional of the show and that's what leads to it being somewhat viral because no matter what, they're going to stumble and fail like a wipeout. And that's part of the charm. But it's like that is you're going to eventually desensitize people in that environment if that's the case. And that's a big problem with a lot of game shows. The reliance on trying to get that viral clip online to sell the show when the show should just be OK to 
watch, even if it's just a play along show where you're just throwing correct answers at the screen. So, no, it's not really my, my, uh, not really for me, shall we say. Um, Wheel of Fortune, I like this week's episode of Christian Sean Ron Funches. I thought that was one of the best episodes of Wheel of Fortune, but I still feel like, here, here's the thing. I think the problem with the show is it's still stagnant. It's a, it's a f- gross set. Like, I hate the set of Wheel of Fortune. It's dark. It's not vibrant. It's not fun. There's, the audience isn't there on screen to clap, so I don't feel excited. Um... It, there isn't really the scores are just amounts from 500 to 950 and then the big amount like the 2500 3500 or 5000 there isn't like exci- it's not exciting enough it's such a uh, it's grandma's house show it's it still feels old to me and i'm i'm sorry pat sajak feels like he doesn't know who any of these people are and when it's Celebrity Jeopardy and it's all these younger talents like Simu Liu and you have uh, people like Eliza Schlesinger. And I know these people. They're very great comedians. They're very talented actors. And I, they're doing a lot of sitcoms, and a lot of talented shit. It's sort of annoying that you have to hear uh, shitty uh, Internet people go, well, they're not celebrities because I've never heard of them because they're not celebrities. They're no celebrities. I never heard of. Look, going back to Dream, I may not have not known who Dream is or what he does, but I'm sure he's considered a celebrity because a million people gave a shit what his face looked like. So technically, he's a celebrity. It doesn't fucking matter. Celebrity is just like a little term to well aware by the public, and not everybody knows everything. That's actually part of trivia. Go figure. Quickly, can you name the actress who plays She-Hulk in the She-Hulk Disney Plus show? Who is the actor that's in Andor that's the main character? What is the name of that main character on Andor anyway? Hey, can you name three actors who are on House of the Dragon, the big show right now that everyone's been talking about on HBO Max that's not Matt Smith? Hey, just throwing this out there, could, could you name... Five singers on the Billboard Hot 100 in the top 20 list? Hey, name one of the singers in Migos. Because I swear to God, you're going to see Quavo on one of these shows. And everyone's going to be like, who the fuck is Quavo? It's from Migos. Well, what the fuck is Migos? And it's like, what they're they're a fucking Billboard Hot 100 musical group. What the fuck? That's celebrity now. It doesn't fucking matter. But to me, I, 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 it's one of those shut the fuck up kind of statements of the, well, they're not a celebrity if I've never heard of them. I don't know who the fuck you are. Are you like a mom in, the, in your 50s? I'm sorry. Uh, no one has remembered half the cast of Magnum P.I. at this point. I'm sorry. Uh, people who are like 20 and younger watch Twitch streamers and content creators on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat that they probably know who Liza Koshy is. They really don't give a fuck who Jenny Jones was in the 90s. Throwing it out there, then maybe if you watch Dancing with the Stars and you don't know who these people are, that's a good thing. Maybe because it might help you out in knowing who these people are because it helps their career out. 
Because isn't that like the whole point for some of these celebrities to do these celebrity game shows is it helps booster their image as well as awareness for a charity event. So you could just say, hey, the jackass people are actually very funny and they're not, you know, dumb people. They're very stupid, but very funny at the same time. Something like that. Uh, so maybe just I don't know if you don't know who these celebrities are. Fucking Google it. You're, you're in 20 fucking 22. Google has kind of taken over the internet since like the 90s. You shouldn't be that out of the loop now to open up Google or Yahoo or Bing and figure out who the fuck these people are. It's not that difficult. And and, and the fun part is they are technically celebrities because they all have success in one form or another. Sorry you don't know who Eddie Wong is because you've never seen Fresh Off the Boat or have been to one of his restaurants, but that's just who he is. Sorry you, you don't know who Reggie Watts is because you don't watch uh, Late Late Show with James Corden or you've ever listened to uh, the great podcast comedy Bang Bang. It's not my fault. You don't know everything about everybody. Maybe that's a good thing or it's not a good thing. But you know what? That leads me to wanting to see if this could be a game show format where you get a celebrity and then the whole idea is to have civilians try to figure who that celebrity is. You get like a WWE superstar, The Miz, on screen. Who is this guy? And they have to figure out it's The Miz from the WWE. And if they can, they win a prize. Because that would be fun. Because it's like, oh, are you a reality show? Well, I was. Also, you were on a Survivor. Nope. One of those. It's like a panel game show. It'd be fun. Trust me on that. Okay, so now it's time for a fun new segment we like to call Jordan's YouTube Wormhole. I, I don't have like a segment theme song here, so can we just like... Uh... I don't know how that worked. I just did a stupid effect on, on Audacity. So in the YouTube wormhole, I was just... Look, I have all these streaming things, but yet I still have a YouTube premium, and I just get gravitated towards YouTube. It's just a fascinating website. So first things first, a Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth, uh, Austin-based thing. I think Warner Brothers still owns them. I'm unsure. Uh, they did this weird-ass uh, event called Uno Infinite where they were playing with some, like, quasi-fucked-up rules for Uno. And they were, had, like, 20 decks of Uno cards. And it was like, well, if this is a 7, you have to exchange decks. And if it's a 0, you have to rotate. And all these weird structures. And, like, it's very uh, fucked up, to say the least. Um... And the whole idea was like it, the rule structure was like if it's plus two, it, it stacks, and every hour uh, a new like gimmick gets added, or like you can only play blue cards or roll a dice, and you have to draw that many cards. And for every ten subscribers, you have to draw another two. Like it just grew and grew and grew. So for a good chunk of the time, it's people playing with like a big stack of like forty uno cards and just having a nervous breakdown and then if they are hungry or tired they can tap out and then someone else like takes their seat and plays for them and i thought this is such a weird thing but then it hit me and this is just sort of uh, i don't i don't know if they're going to be doing the uh the extra life stream or donation stream 
but that like 24 plus hours of um of uno was really messed up but i was like taking breaks watching every little bit at the time and it's i hate to say this most compelling game of uno i've ever seen because at certain moments it was like people frustrated and not get like it's the dichotomy it's the i don't care i'm getting like 20 cards who cares this fucking game's gonna go on forever i'm just like that to the point of people doing like social game of like maybe if we all just let so-and-so win we could just keep playing it just it became so much fun because it was like this mix of i want to win i just want this over who cares and i thought that was just one of the funniest uh things uh rooster teeth usually does like the machinima things and ruby and all that but I thought the Uno Infinite Let's Play stream was one of the smartest ideas I have seen this week. And I, I, I actually kind of suggest people tune in, even if it's just like for 10 minutes. It's like a random 10 minutes of the show. Because I still don't know who any of these fucking people are at Rooster Teeth. But it was kind of engaging and entertaining to kind of see like just essentially what amounted to that same feeling people get when they play Elden Ring. And it's like a big bad boss and they're about to die. But with a game of Uno, with a huge ass stack of cards, very fun. Uh, another thing in my wormhole this week uh, was Food Wars. Uh, no, not the anime Food Wars. Although I will say that uh, Food Wars is a really uh, has a really fun, attractive guy who's naked wearing an apron. And please send me all of the erotica artwork of this naked chef guy, and not Jamie Oliver. Uh, the Food Wars on Food Insider, uh, a long time ago, like 40 years ago, uh, Jack and I would just keep finding the most messed up food things and food obstructions on YouTube. And most of them came from Food Insider, where it's like, hey, look at the melted cheese on this burger. It just fucking messed it up. And this, like, Food Wars show is actually something different. It's kind of like, the idea is that they get, like, two countries, usually UK and US, but sometimes Japan and US, sometimes India and US, and they compare what's the KFC like in UK versus the US, what's the McDonald's like in the UK versus the US, what's the flavors of Pocky in Japan versus America, and it's all, like, very fun. So they compare it by portion sizes, uh, the ingredients inside it, exclusives to the restaurants, all sorts of like any sort of scientific fact mixed with a uh, fun fact. And I, the, the ones that I really have been watching were the UK US ones because I, it'll be leading up to what I'm talking about next with, with chips. Um, they, they, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, Joe and, and Harry, uh, it's just been a lot of fun. Because uh, Harry's this British guy, and he's—I—I I, would—I would say they got the most—I can say stereotypical, but it's been very fun. Like Harry is playing up the British smart, witty. Well, this look at the like the portion sizes in America—they're monstrous, and just dry humor, and then just sometimes subtle digs about capitalism. It's just been—it's really good digs. And really smart uh, uh, quips. 
and very scientific answers. And it's just this very like, I would say like just this nerdy guy who does really scientific stuff about food. And then they get Joe from America, who is, I'm going to guess, like a producer at Food Insider. But they got like the most like smart assy American guy I could ever think of. Like he's just sitting there. He looks at all the food like, look at all this pizza and just has a blast eating it. Uh, I just I really like uh, Joe's character in this. Because he really is trying to be like the stereotypical American, but at certain times break that fourth wall and be like, yeah, this is like way too much sugar. Like the Baja Blast, no. And then there's even like taste tests where he eats like all the, like the dipping sauces at like Wingstop or he eats all the chips of Doritos and then like a little stamp of if it's good. Joe fucks with it. Joe does not fuck with it. It's just. I, I am I was so entertained and I just over the weekend, along with Uno Infant, I was just binging the this uh, this food war show. Uh, it I mean, I love when when uh, little YouTube channels have little segment ideas like when Epicurious does gadget reviews uh, and Food Wars does food like chat like this is good. It's not a food challenge. This is just sort of like. Hey, uh, the pizzas at Domino's are like slightly smaller than the ones in America. And also, uh, there's also this rare sauce and they love chili sauce and like, it's all this fun. I like fun. I learned a lot. And I think that's kind of fun to like learn a lot about different cultures and customs, especially when it comes to chain restaurants. You don't see that on fucking Doughboys. You don't see that on Doughboys. Uh, so, so it, it, it was a lot of fun. I was tuning into that and just enjoying it. Uh, other than that, I was listening to Game Boys to Men, uh, uh, Jeff Gersman's uh, podcast. That's the ten dollar tier uh, because uh, he got COVID, unfortunately, and he couldn't do a podcast till Thursday. And as like a sorry, he put a little clip from Game Boys to Men, the first episode, and I loved it. And I went, okay, I'm going to up my pledge and listen to Game Boys to Men. And they are on the FMV games now, and I love it. And Greg Ru and Glenn Rubinstein is just a like a perfect encapsulation of the '90s game journalist who's like I would hate to say burnt out of it, but it was so analytical to what was at the time, and had the same personality that you would like you can hear in the writing of game reviews at the time, but clearly has like heart and clearly loves what he was doing. And it's just a fun like postmortem about the history of game journalism. So it reminded me a lot of Kitchen Confidential, that fantastic book that put Anthony Bourdain on the map. So like here's Glenn Rubinstein talking about being like a high schooler covering video games. And then like uh, the Game Genie people at Galico uh, trying to uh, rehearse everything that's at the courthouse so they can win the case against Nintendo and what Nintendo would say, like th things like that, what Sega would do to Jeff and Glenn uh, to get exclusives and, and coverage and like just the coverage of like what was game journalism at the time, why Jeff tried to do it. Like it is real eye-opening because this is sort of like an unfiltered history of gaming through two really good industry giants. And in the same way, really telling you how messed up the 
industry really has always been in general and how essentially it's still kind of the same way in modern day. They don't really, they're not at modern day comparisons fully, but they're at that point where it's like, you can clearly tell that Jeff is also talking like referring to how things happen at GameSpot before he started giant bomb. And then what, and then partially the giant bomb ventures. And I think now they just got bought up. I'm going to check that in the news segment, but it's such a really good, uh, uh podcast. Uh, so please just throw 10 bucks and, and try and listen to it. If you don't want to listen to it now, um, my suggestion, if you and don't tell Jeff this, maybe like wait like a, a year, donate 10 bucks like a year from now, download all the episodes of Game Boys to Men at that tier, and then just listen to them over a weekend because you might be at like episode 20 or 30 at that point, And it's just a great listen. You will have a, it, it's one of the best books out there and it's a podcast. Um, so the last part of this, uh, wormhole is I don't, I don't know why I think it's just cause I'm partially going to blame bothers bar. Cause Briggy was eating some Walker's crisps. And I was like, uh, think of of the game show sitting on a fortune. And then Gary Lineker, the pride of, of, of Britain, the striker, Mr. Nice guy. Um, and the, those chips commercials. Now walkers is Lay's here in America. We are Lay's in Britain. It's walkers. And since like the nineties, uh, they got a football player, a soccer player to basically be their big mascot slash spokesperson for these chips. I'm going to keep saying chips here. I'm sorry. It's not crisps. And I'm going to say soccer player cause I'm American. Okay. Uh, so the soccer player is selling potato chips and it's the most fucking cartoonish greatest things I have seen. Like, so my binge went to like looking at almost like every possible commercial out there with Gary Lineker and these potato chips. And it's like a weird history of like potato chip ads in London. And well, it's the UK, but I, mostly it was set in London. Um, so it's like Gary Lineker uh, stealing a bag of chips from a child and running away. And then uh, Michael Owen, who at the time was the big football player, the big soccer player. Uh, they created a cheese and an Owen instead of cheese and onion uh, flavor. And they had like this whole like Wile E. Coyote sequence where Gary Lineker's trying to fucking kill Michael Owen with like a wrecking ball and eventually dies. I don't know what happens to Gary, but it's very funny. And then, um, it, it, it becomes kind of like every like Saturday morning breakfast cereal mascot, like the tricks rabbit or lucky the leprechaun where it's just like, here's Gary Lineker. He's breaking into the lace factory, Walker's factory, and he's going to steal some chips. Oh, he, we have a new cracker, and here's Gary. He's in the test lab, and he's going to steal the first one. And, and just keeps going. Oh, here's Gary. He's breaking and entering someone's posh house, and it's Victoria Beckham, to steal some delicious chips. Get it? Because posh spice. The British. Uh, and, and then it just keeps growing, so it's like, Oh, here's Gary Lineker. Uh, they have new like food truck theme things. So he's running a food truck and he's trying to test a food. 
Or here's Gary Lineker and there's four comedians and they have their own flavors. Here's Jimmy Con Carne if you want Jimmy Carr flavor. Or a Stephen Sunday Fry or something. It was like a fish and chips flavor. And it, it's so fucking wild. Because like a lot, first of all, there's like main flavors like prawn cocktail, which I think is just cocktail sauce. A cheese and onion, not sour cream and onion, cheese and onion. And not uh, sour cream and onion, not, not sour cream and cheese, cheese and onion. And if it's not that, it's salted. Ready salted, even though that's just original over here. Uh, it's it's so fascinating seeing all the different flavors of just chips in general. And I'm just like, man, one day if I had like the time and the resources and the food doesn't expire, I want to try every flavor. Just do every flavor of chip out there and try it out. But that seems like a fun time for me. Anyway, um, so the wormhole just got worse because it's like, here's this Austin Powers satire where Gary Lineker dresses up like Austin Powers in like 2002, like when Goldmember just was in theaters. And it's like, oh my God, are we still doing Austin Powers? Okay. <laughs> It's so weird, but um, I, I have to say, whoever made some of these commercials, they made me laugh, and they made me hungry for potato chips. Uh, the new ones now, it's like awesome chowdery, doing like op uh, like positive things, so it just kind of feels like a Ron Funches. If it like if this was Lay's in America, they would get Ron Funches to do this, because their new slogan is "If life gives you potatoes, make make crisps." So, so I'm guessing if there was Lay's now, they would try to do, if life gives you potatoes, make chips. And have Ron Funches do the awesome chowdery things. And they're just very, they're very cute, very fun. Uh, so, so if you like comedy, or here in the YouTube wormhole, might I suggest watching f five to ten minutes of potato chip ads. Including like, weird perfume looking ads for chips and posh ads for chips and like weird uh commercials with patty mcginnis running a sandwich and now they're like doing a are you a chips in or chips out on your sandwich kind of thing and then they get gordon ramsay and it's very fun to see gordon ramsay do potato chip ads so so ask gordon ramsay his favorite flavor of, of, of walkers is I bet it's none. I bet he, he will say like it's something, but he never eats it. He just wants the money. He, he has the bank balance money is just out. That's why. Uh, no, it's it's it was so fun because Gordon Ramsay was like, no, chips don't go on a sandwich. And then they did like a parody of um, Brexit and a parody of um, how uh, uh, Boris Johnson got 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 videos leaked of him uh, doing a party. So here's some video of Gordon Ramsay eating a sandwich with potato chips in it. Sure. <laughs> it's a very weird time, to say the least. Anyway, uh, that's been the YouTube wormhole. That's been everything that's been going on for me this week. Uh, and now here's an article about professional wrestling. I hope you enjoy. Professional wrestling, the greatest, nerdiest thing on the internet. That's also the corniest, dumbest thing out there. 
The TLDR. It's stunt fighting. It takes skill, coordination, and great theatrics to pull it off well. Just like magic takes practice, just like understanding how to play an instrument and other weird parlor tricks like juggling flaming pins on a unicycle. Obviously, this year has been one of the strangest years in the history of the medium that some call sports entertainment, which maybe if you include roller derby matadors in the same category, then I guess go for it, champ. WWE went from Vince McMahon to Paul Levesque, Triple H himself, and when the main draw of AEW was it's not Vince, it's making this battle of the promotions very wild. I mean, they got Jake Paul to go to Saudi Arabia to do a little wrestle. Social media is weird. Then on AEW, you have amazing tag teams like FTR and The Acclaimed that are just taking a stagnant style and making it fun as a good distraction from whatever the fuck happened with the trios titles and everybody from CM Punk to Kenny Omega to the Young Bucks that you just sort of go... At least Jericho and Moxley and Danielson are there to put on wonderful shows and help build new talent. Obviously, wrestling fandom has grown and grown, partially because of the success of Botchamania. Uh, shout out to Matthew. I was wrong about telling you to end this whole thing after 100 episodes. And also, thank you for those Crystal Maze episodes way, way, way back. Love you. And the fandom, it brings us lukewarm gaming takes to wrestling shows. FF8 is not good. Well, that's shocking. But at least it's not gay slurs like the Attitude Era, I guess. Indie wrestling has been in an uptick on YouTube. And many indie darlings like your Dan Housens and your Effie and Kid Bandits show that this medium can be everything and nothing at the same time. It can be comedy. It can be serious. It could be just fun. And yes, I'm looking at Dark Sheik and everything at Hood Slam when I came up with these ideas. I mean, even James Stephanie Sterling's son is doing the wrestles. And they have a whole Galactus gimmick going where I guess we should thank God for them. And they champion consumer rights, unionizing, and yes trans rights in a somewhat divisive gaming atmosphere. And that's not including all the great wrestlers who have a YouTube following from Adam Cole Bay Bay, aka Chugs, Nyla Rose doing some spooky scary streams, to my G4 King, WWE Superstar Xavier Woods, aka Austin Creed, with Up Up Down Down and G4's Attack of the Show. This version of wrestling is, at least to me, the best version. Because at this point, all it does is make the annoying grown-up go, you know it's fake, right? Seem like a really dorky idiot going, Santa isn't real. Like, no fucking shit. But there is athleticism involved. And if done correctly, is written better than most comic book movies. And if done incorrectly, makes every Max Landis video look worse. There is that believability that resonates with people, and sometimes they want that shoot realism in their I'm gonna beat you up promos. But when it gets too realistic or too internet wrestling community with all the lingo, it's very cringy. For proof, let me just say random words like heel turn, baby face, work shoot, potato receipt, and smark, and wince very much. 
That's what happens. That's the, I want to reference Dark Side of the Ring and make it edgy, but it sounds terrible. Hey, do you have the scissors in? Like one of those. I know. I'm scattered all over the place on this article, but it's just so much on my mind about it. What about Royal Rumble? When will AEW get his WrestleMania-style supercard show? How could this nerdy hobby also bring out the worst in others? And obviously, what is the best video game of all time? And what's my favorite wrestlers? Well, I really shouldn't go through all of these in one podcast episode, especially if we need to come back later but I'll try and answer some of them right now. The match that got me into wrestling was WrestleMania 12, the one with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in that 60-minute Iron Man match, the one that, in hindsight, wasted an hour of an audience time to end up with a one-fall-sudden death, but had the infamous conclusion of the boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. And so you follow those two wrestlers. And this was obviously going to get weird because just a little later, it's the Montreal screw job. And when you're a kid trying to make sense of it, I mean, your dumb childhood self was at the this is real stage. Uh, this is one of the earliest. Yeah, this is rehearsed moments in your life. So you watch where they go. Sean doing the DX thing with Triple H. And Brett going to WCW when they had all of these amazing cruiserweights doing flippy-doos and pyros. And here's Brett just sitting around. Even though you loved his technical achievements, but the only thing you remember from him at WCW was, oh, he wrestled Will Sasso from Mad TV. Yep. But it's all good because, hey, here's Chris Jericho giving the Dean Malenko 1004 holds list. And then the NWO, too sweet. And eventually you realize just how stupid Jay Leno fighting sounds and think, well, that's it. I'm watching Dave Letterman. Ah, damn it. That's what I should have talked about. Dave Letterman. Maybe next time or a later episode. But for now, let's fast forward to modern day. WWE 2K games have somehow gotten better. There is an AEW game coming soon, and wrestling has a second surge. It's Power Rangers, both more pyrotechnics and more cool theme songs. And sometimes the best matches, which are the ones you kind of forget about and are kind of under the radar here on the internet, which reminds me, Wrestle Kingdom is coming up in January. Oh, God damn it, I gotta stay up late again. Damn it. Fuck. I'm sure there's a story or a message or something to talk about, but I think a cross between a White Claw and a 300 milligram energy drink in the writing room isn't a good mix. So I'm going to stop writing now and hope Jordan banters a bit more while I go sleep. God damn it. Fuck, I didn't finish this article. Shit. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to just banter, I guess. Uh, so wrestling, I, I I like, I mean, like, it's become like a big phenomenon. Dark Side of the Ring has been a really fun documentary series. Uh, the reason I really wanted to talk about this article today was because there's a brand new TV show uh, coming up called Tales from the Territories, uh, which is also from the Dark Side of the Producers. And it's basically just some of the wrestlers from the bygone 70s and 80s territory era uh, giving their stories about a time when wrestling was considered too real to some people, that heels were getting like knives to their throats and their cars slashed up, 
And these really did happen. And it's really fucked up in hindsight because these are really just performers. And obviously, it's a carny act and the old school idea of if you're a bad guy, you you have to just, you know, be the biggest fucking asshole in the world because then you want to see them get their ass kicked, right? That's the whole idea. So, it, I mean, it makes sense on paper because this is a time before internet, before wrestling is, you know, hey, look at the technical achievements, look how bumps are made, look at all of the background work of what goes into a wrestling product. And it's wild to think that people took it that seriously. Now, obviously, there are people who still want to be assholes on the internet. I just want to just, before I finish this up, because I know I'm just going to be bantering for like five to ten minutes here. The most, the cringiest people in the internet aren't like the ones who are like the like the people who are like diehard WWE or AEW fans or Impact. Because to me, that's just like that's their style, and they love it, and they're going to defend it. It's just it's just a console war in their mind. It's still very tacky, still very obnoxious. But no, it's the people who want to be antagonistic on the internet, and they put heel in their Twitter bios or their have their persona have heel in it. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm a bad guy. No, you're not. You're just some jackass on the internet trying to offend people. Fuck off. Like it's, it's just a, I, I, here's the, here's the thing. This is where I'm coming from. I am not a wrestler. I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm host. I'm a TV host. I mean, I love the entertainment of professional wrestling. I think the phrase heels and faces and all that shit, that's just fucking terminology used for the performance aspect of professional wrestling. And unless you're a fucking TV character right this very second and you're actually in a fucking ring getting your ass kicked or taking the bumps, which as we know, as I've tried to explain, takes a lot of physical ability to do so, shut the fuck up, you're not a fucking heel. You're just a flaming asshole. Maybe... If you want to be a flaming asshole outside of the ring, then you could try and be a heel in the thing. Then go for it. But no, no, no. And I'm sick to death that we see like the what? What's that fucking show? The 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 Gutfeld. Is Gutfeld the one that has uh, the NWA Tyrus? Like that's the kind of shit you see. And it's like no, 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 no. We're in a flip state now where there is a, a big pushback to uh to the social consciousness of professional wrestling. A lot of people are in that shitty state of like, I want the attitude era back with the women doing the, this and I want no, uh, let's just face it. They don't want any black people to succeed or anyone who's a person of color, Latino, Asian, etc. Um, and they want the white guy to win and that's it. There's a fucking white supremacist character in professional wrestling, and thankfully, they pulled that off really quick. Remember when WWE had Antifa as a villain for, like, a hot flaming moment because Vince saw Fox News? Sometimes wrestling kind of sucks, and I have to admit that right after the fact I'm saying how great it is because wrestling is not perfect. I have to point that out because I don't think people really understand that what makes wrestling good what makes wrestling cringy what makes wrestling good is if it's wrestlers who put on a performance who know how to do the skills right i'm not gonna say botch because i think botches are kind of in the air 
What is subjective? What if you intentionally try and miss a move? Well, that's a botch. Got to tell Matthew. No, what if that was part of the story? Like, oh, I, I missed the elbow drop, so now my elbow is hurt or something. Um, it's, it's one of those cases of when it's done correctly, it's great. If the storylines are great, if the characters that you see are believable and you root for them. And when you're seeing the indie circuit have a lot of LGBTQ uh, diversity and inclusion, and you see great people like Bowens from the Acclaimed win the championship, you're excited. You're rooting for these people because it's like, well, it's about fucking time this happened because if this was the 90s, because Attitude Era anti-hero thing, you're just going to be hearing gay slur after gay slur over and over again. And let's face it, they're going to be saying that anyway in modern day with someone who is, you know, LGBT uh, is a fucking heel. So if they're going to be playing the villain, they're going to get slurred out the building. And that's just unfortunate with how... Uh, society operates. I, I eventually that that will just become just a boring thing, and you'll just hear booze get out of here's. But it, the the part that wrestling that people kind of forget is the best kind of wrestling is the shows where the crowd knows they are part of the storyline, but they're not trying to put themselves over. It was really annoying uh, in like the last five to ten years. When CM Punk left WWE. Now, I like CM Punk. I, I watched him in Ring of Honor. I watched him in ECW. I, I've seen him in, a, of course, the Pipe Bomb incident. And, of course, he had an okay run at AEW. That dog holler match with MJF was one of the best matches in AEW history. But when you're in the audience and you're hearing CM Punk, CM Punk, it, it, it just sort of just it, it takes you out of the show. It doesn't, it, it, it's not, it makes the show good. And it just kind of feels like a flat, sort of like an unfun show. And the problem is, AEW feels like that's going to happen sooner or later. Because when the big poll from AEW was the elite, and in fact, elite is kind of in the middle name. And they're kind of out of the, uh, it, like, they're not on screen anymore. It's, so it's you're trying to build stars up and you're kind of just, well, uh, how are you going to do the Bullet Club angle now? How are you going to do Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks? It, it's going to end up having the same thing. You're going to I'm fearing that that's one of my big fears at AEW right now is you're going to have the audience go the elite, the, the elite all over again, over and over again. And just whenever boring promos or the same old shit happens. Or Tony Khan's on screen, let's boo him as he says, let's do a battle royale to determine number one contender. And you're just sitting there like, isn't this the fucking show that they said wins and losses matter? And they tried to sell that with AEW Dark and all these, and now it's like, what's the point of all this? That's how it feels. And it's, it's a little confusing, because AEW has some really good talent. Jericho, Moxley, they're, they're really good. The, the fucking... Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker hardcore match that they had in a Dynamite show like almost a year ago is one of the best women's matches out there. But no, we're not just going to remember that. WWE, and this is going to be hard to say, has great matches. Uh, there is the Gunther and Sheamus match that happened at Clash of the Castle. 
That to me is one of the best matches WWE has had in almost a decade. And yes, I know. Oh, what about The Undertaker? Oh, what about Matchman? What about so and so? Yes, they're all really good characters, but we're talking modern day. And not a lot of these people who are performers, either working in developmental or currently on screen, kind of have the, the ability, both in WWE and AEW, to kind of perfect their character. And in the new world of wrestling, you have to build that character on screen or on YouTube or elsewhere. And then you have to have that side character where you're kind of outside of the kayfabe, as they say. So you're yourself. Like, for instance, Sasha Banks is Mercedes on Twitter. So there's that big split. And, and we need more of that in wrestling. And I want to see more indie people succeed. I want more appeal of awesome people doing wrestling shows. Uh, I recently saw that they've been doing these fucking like content creator wrestling match bullshit things. Well, not wrestling. They're like like boxing matches. And I think it's for charity, but I'm not fucking sure. I'm thinking they're just scrapped for cash, to be honest. And I'm just sitting there going like, Jake Paul is a, one of these fucking content creator social media like fuckers. Why don't they just fucking do professional wrestling? It's all a fucking work. They're all being themselves but cranked up to 11 anyway. It's just how do you turn yourself into an asshole and how do you turn yourself into like a likable guy? That's it. And you don't even have to beat the shit out of each other with actual punches. You can actually, you know, just like pick people up and drop them safely. And then they fall on their backs and shoulders and that's it. And, and avoid their neck and head. Otherwise, it just it ends up being scary. Mistakes happen. So, so that's what I wanted to talk about real quick about wrestling. I know I was bantering at this end piece here. Wrestling is fantastic. And I think we, we do have to give a lot of credit to a lot of the old school people who paved the way. A lot of these talented people from the territory area. And I think that's why this show is going to be very fun to watch. Because without them, people who are in the 90s or the 2000s who looked up to these people uh, became the heroes that we saw. And then that became the heroes that we see today because we're in the third generation now of professional wrestling when it comes to on-screen television. Unless you want to be Dave Meltzer and try to um actually the 50s or 60s or whatever. I, I don't care, Dave. I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> The generation is like 70s, the, like you, it's 20 year gap, 70s, 90s, 2010s. We're in the 2020s now, and the 2020s is taking stuff from the 2010s, which is the use of social media because of people like Zack Ryder when he did the Z True Long Island story, or I guess the dirt sheet if you like to Ms. Morrison WWE style, or let's face it, a lot of indie talent people putting their shit up on YouTube to get the buzz. That was a lot of times people got Samoa Joe over. That's how a lot of awesome ROH matches got shown out, or Shakara. And kind of that's kind of what NWA is doing right now with power. So YouTube is now becoming this big viable market share for wrestling, and that's kind of the direction things are going these days. And the elite, when they were in New Japan doing their behind the scenes and they were villains and doing a little sketch comedy, uh, that was what got their name across 
And that's what got their buzz out to, uh, you know, grow into what became AEW. And yes, I am going to say, even though it's Tony Khan's money and vision, the the draw at the time was Jericho and the and Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Those are the two like camps when it came to AEW. It's not to- Tony Khan because Tony Khan's just a business guy. If he, he was just promoting itself, going like, well, this is going to be an alternative to wrestling. We're giving them what they want. But now with Vince gone, it's Triple H's show. And Triple H, people kind of like that black and gold NXT show. And the only real challenge, I would say, is can you actually do seven hours of TV a week? And can it still be overkill? And... What about all of these really bad deals that Vince did before Paul took over, such as, and I'll keep saying this, Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel is still the biggest mistake WWE kind of could do in the modern era, besides Vince and what he did. Uh, And with AEW, all they have to do is coast along and not do any problems, and yet there they are doing problems. It's very weird. Because it, there's a lot of great talent. And if anything, like you would see AEW's roster and you see hundreds of these people. And like, I'm almost positive if you've ever chatted with any of those people, they're probably the nicest, sweetest, awesomest people you'll ever know. And they just want to have a fun performance and they just want to get out there, meet some fans uh, and do whatever is the fun match that they've always wanted to do because they get free reign to do whatever they want. Uh, of course, not everything they want, uh, but y- you know what we were talking about, re- wrestling. Um, so when you th- see people like Orange Cassidy get over and everyone loves Orange Cassidy in The Best Friends, you're like, yeah, The Best Friend. Or you see people like MJF, who's this like really great talented act who knows how to play the asshole but also know how to just man- I hate to say manipulate cuz it just sounds mean knows how to manipulate the crowd to give him sympathy at times or give him like the crowd to cheer him on things like that just make him a one of a kind talent and I'm with him he can definitely uh, be back and forth with WWE or, or AEW. Depends on who gives them the money. I, I, I think that's a good character bit. Um, he's a really smart uh, wrestler. Uh, so, so yeah, like every generation, like we're not in the days of Million Dollar Man anymore. We're not in the days of Duke the Dumpster Drossy or Mantar or a, a Shockmaster. But we still have certain characters that are kind of like that. Like Danhausen is like a bit of a character. Or um, I guess you can kind of say Sting is still around. It's Sting! Um, and it's just that, that bit of performance that comes with it. And I like that. There's still a little bit of mystique that comes with the wrestling business. And it's still wild that Dwayne Johnson's still like the biggest actor in Hollywood. And he's like, how, like, okay, so what is his role? Is he, he does like 20 movies a year now. He has like five TV shows, one of which is a biopic about his life and like his father and mother. And then there's a little bit of wrestling references in that. You have uh, things like uh, 
you you have uh, his he has the XFL. He now owns the F- XFL. Uh, there is that uh, game show that he does, uh, the Titan Games. I don't know if that's still coming back. Please bring it back. Golden Boy was great on that. Uh, and just all the fun of it. So, yeah, wrestling is one of the best mediums out there. I know I'm bantering and rambling, um, but and that's what it said. And I'm sorry the Jordan decided... I'm going to just drink a White Claw and an energy drink at the same time and then bounce off the walls and not illustrate a point of how wrestling could be great. But also, I think you don't want to go too much in that Max Landis territory because there is some bit of slime still going on, and you can't say it's perfect. All you can say is that when there's a really great match with really great characters, that like compelling audience, and it's just it you it sucks you in. It makes for a really great match. It's like Rocky. When you see that that great match of Rocky and Drago, you gotta watch it. And then you're compelled to tune in. That's just what wrestling is. But with more uh, pew-pews and a commentating group. Is, is Ultimate Muscle, like, available to watch anywhere? Now I'm gonna just... I'm gonna stop uh, this right now. I'm gonna see if Ultimate Muscle is available to watch it. Probably on Hulu or something. Uh, so... Uh, that's going to do it for the wrestling segment. Good night. All right. Well, this is the end of the free version. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Tell your friends about this podcast, whatever the hell this podcast really is. Uh, and if you like this episode and you want more of it, uh, go to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jordan Haas for an extended cut of this episode and every episode as you get a paywall news segment, questions, answers, and two bonus articles. This week, we're uh, recapping Taskmasters, episode one of series 14, and also Party Pack 7 is reviewed. We're almost done with that. But hey, if you're done, that's okay too. I understand. We're This is really like a quick podcast thing I want to do every week. Uh, and hey, follow me on Twitter at Jordha and, and J-O-R-D-H-A and say hello. That's what we do. That's This is the voice. I, 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 I now have this voice. It's the first thing I recorded all day. <laughs> uh, so uh, see you soon. Take care. And-